Hi, this is Sam with The Undecillion. Today we have a special podcast with a few friends. I've got... My name's Jason, and my brother David is joining us. David, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. And uh, let's see, what did, what, uh, what did you want to talk about today? Because I know you have a lot of stuff that you do. A man of many hats. You know, you wear a lot of hats. Uh, so I'd like to kind of get a grasp around a little bit of what you do. And uh, I know that you have uh, definitely mindset things that you do and uh, um, entrepreneurship, small business ownership and uh, training and managing and just a, all around a lot of things that uh, you, um, you've you kind of perfected in your life to a certain extent. So, um, you know, you got the floor. I mean, what's, what's on your mind today uh, um I'm, i i thought you guys wanted to like ask me some questions but uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't say i perfected much of uh many things but i have experienced probably a lot of those things you talked about uh, what do i do currently well i have a, a marketing agency called loud carrot and uh, i'm starting this um, membership program that i'm really excited about called membership mind those are the two things that I have going uh, as far as uh, making money, and um, they're they're a lot closer into my uh, you know my natural or my talent and my interest um, as I transitioned out of some of the other businesses that I that I started and and sold off. So, what type of uh, businesses have you kind of worked in? I'm I'm just coming from the standpoint like a person who works for a company. But let's say that you wanted to break off and do your own thing, start your own business. What type of things would you recommend that a person do? Or how did you discern what specifically you wanted your business to be when you first started? Mm. That's an interesting, that's a good question. Um, I would say that the question is how, your question is how did I, uh, figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. How did how did you figure that out? Um, well, I kind of for me, I've I'm, even as a little kid, um, when I started drawing, I would imagine having a uh, a business, uh, not being an employee. So that that's kind of where I came from as far as my uh, instinct my vision of my future was, was never really working for someone, but having a business, but I didn't really know what that business would look like. And, uh, so that was kind of step one there. And then as I got into college and I just logically said, well, I, what am I good at? And I'm not a draw. So I figured, what do you make money doing drawing? I don't want to be an artist. I don't think they make money. That's when I learned about graphic design and, uh, started going to school for that and then went to university for that and then uh, got really bored with that tried to start a business because I had my son and my wife and I wanted to start making money to uh, pay for them instead of being on student loans and so I tried to start an online business and this was like in uh, 2008 and that's when I started learning about internet marketing and I really 
um, was drawn towards marketing and copywriting and psychology. And uh, suddenly the graphic design became very, like I had already been doing it for a while, learning it and being in internships and, um, you know, had my kind of like got my fill of it and understanding what it is. And then I saw how it related to marketing and realized, okay, it's not as uh, deep as they're making it out here at, in college. Um, mm -hmm. They're, they're very much like from theory to, um, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's like learn it, master it, and then break it like you're Picasso. And I just didn't see that uh, design as art is necessary in the real world. I saw design as a tool to, uh, to create things um, that got the point across, the message across, communicate, and does it, does it do the job? And if it does, then we've done enough and we move on. Um, so it gave me uh, tools and uh, skill sets to do quite a bit of things that most people cannot do um, but then I stepped into the arena of influence with mm -hmm. psychology and marketing, which started to give me a little bit even more dangerous uh, skill set because then you can, as a marketer, you basically can do any kind of business you want because now you know how to promote and sell your own business. And so uh, that's kind of where I, I launched off and logically was to provide services, online marketing services for uh other businesses. Um, I don't know how far you want me to go, but I started door knocking on, on business, local businesses doing, uh, wow. trying to get SEO, uh, well, search engine rankings, yeah. getting people listed there. And, um, I, I created a couple of websites for myself as, as kind of test dummies. For example, one was, uh, bought a domain, New Braunfels, uh, dentist office. And then I got that ranked on, on page one for the search term and uh, just to kind of prove that I knew what I was doing. And uh, then I tried to go and sell that. And that, that was a very crazy and uncomfortable thing for somebody like me. Um, Jason, you remember, I would tell you that I was trying to make cold calls and it was, it was beyond nerve wracking. You I was tried to recruit me. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, it was a scary thing. Scary proposition. And I did a couple cold calls for you, but I was not, good at it. I just yeah. didn't have the knowledge. That well, you, you know, but, but that whole... And plus cold calls suck. They suck, but the, the whole process of it is basically getting way uncomfortable and doing things and getting keep doing it until you get good at it. So oh, is, that, yeah. is that something you would give advice to a young business owner is you need to be a little uncomfortable? You know, get out of your comfort zone. Um push yourself to do things that you wouldn't normally do or should, you know, is that, am I wrong? Well, that? you know, that's, I, I, that's, I think that's a pretty common like phrase these days, you know, as far as like get to get out of your comfort zone. And the reality is it's, it's, uh, it's true because it's if you are in almost, your, the space that you're in right now and you I expect see. things to be different, you know, like how, what's going to change if you don't change and how do right, you change? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. 
the when, big thing when, is, it, sound, it sounds like that is definitely part of the territory of trying to get into something that doesn't exist. You're going to be constantly in a mode where you're trying to uh, fight and flight, trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, what I found interesting about what you were saying is kind of like the why behind it. You had the why of, uh, I'm doing this for my wife, my sons, etc. And then how do I make this? Right. Like you did a test run, like you almost had a, uh, like a beta test. I'm going to try to see if I can do this and accomplish this. And you kind of did some footprinting outlining uh, specifics of like this is how I can make a website go from here to here and then after that it sounded like you put your marketing hat on and you're like so how can I take this sell this to other people and essentially get some buy-in so it sounds like there's a few different strategies that you employed there that are quite useful for someone like looking into this trying to get started yeah, I mean, if I was to if I was to tell somebody what they need to do, it would it would come out a lot different than what I just said because <laughs> what I just said was walking through the the steps of how did I do that at, the, at right. first. And at first, it was very much discovery through action, and I didn't land on a business when with uh, search engine ranking uh, marketing for local businesses. I started doing that but I didn't actually create a business there. I ended up discovering another business um, that made more sense, but I wouldn't have ever found that if I wasn't out there doing things. So you never know where you're going to land when you get started, and if you're really fixated on what the outcome is supposed to be, you may never get there because things change. There's always pivots and, and potholes, you know? Yeah. I, have a, I have a question for you, um, and I know that this is not really – your expertise because your graphic design uh you obviously got into the psychological side of things and the like the mindset and the mentoring of uh you know people that want to be successful but like what do you think of small businesses that are brick and mortar i mean is that just i don't think it's totally going away but i think you obviously didn't want to do that and I think it's a huge risk at this point. And Sam and I have been thinking about, you know, a music store and, uh, you know, selling instruments. Mm. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work. Yeah. You'd have to well, see what the market it's, is. Uh, very risky. Go ahead, David. And I know what comes, uh, I know what comes with scouting it out and all that. Um, my, my question was, do you think that small business brick and mortar is, is just going to the wayside and we're going to be eaten up by not only Amazon, but the Costco's and the Walmarts and, you know, HEB's Publix. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there is that, there is that risk. We're at war, we're at a worldwide web you know, like everything is, is accessible now. Um, so there is that risk, but what I think, uh, it's not dead at all. In fact, uh, it's just, are you providing what people really want? And so with everything becoming virtual, um, my clients, most of them don't live in, in San Antonio where I live I've, and, you know, um, but most of the work gets done virtually by the phone. 
you know, or in or on virtual calls like we're doing right now through Skype. Um, so what it comes down to is the uh, isolation that we're creating for ourselves where everything is not, you don't have to leave the house, you push a button and Alexa sends your toothpaste to you. Mm-hmm. What humans, uh, I think where we're going is that we, we crave engagement, interaction because we're not giving it. And so the experience itself, experiencing things is important. Yeah. So if you can create an experience within a store that will have people mm-hmm. coming to you because they would rather go to your store and enjoy their time there than they would ordering something online and getting it shipped to them. They're buying more than just a piece of equipment, you know. They're buying a friendship. Right. They're buying. Um, they're buying. Um, uh, you know, like going bowling. They feel like they're a part of something. Yeah, it's almost like you're a part of something. Like you're supporting something that you believe in. Um. It's you part know, of, I would say, the... You have good experience. It's part of the human condition that we are social animals and we want to interact. And I don't think that physical brick-and-mortar stores are going to go by the wayside. I think that there's still going to be a necessity because of the existential longing that people have and wanting to interact with each other. Not everybody wants to sit behind a computer and interact with that. I've found, especially with the type of work I do, I stare at a screen all day. The very last thing I ever want to do is go back and stare at more screens. So Mm -hmm. it's funny. I used to have a lot of fun growing up, spending all the time in front of a computer. And then now that I do that, like almost every day in front of three screens, (laughs) yeah, I'm sitting here going, why do I want to spend any more time in front of this stuff? Uh, Another interesting question I had for you, David, uh, when you were going through the process of creating your business, I know that uh, most people don't, like you said, it wasn't in stone what the steps are. You have to do this, do that. You have to evolve and change as you go. Uh, What were some things that you did to keep like a bulletproof mindset going through that? Because I'm sure you were met by failure at some points challenges and all sorts of other obstacles on the way what would you recommend people do to kind of strengthen their minds strengthen i guess how they resolve and handle things um that's a good question i think that um first of all i think you need to think a lot less you know people think they need to that their brain and their thoughts you know, if they're not having them, that they don't exist. And I think that the mind is uh, used too much. It's overworked. It's overheated. It's stressed out. So if you're thinking a whole bunch about it, uh, you're going to talk your, you know, think your way out of it and think, oh, this is not a good idea. Oh, it's not going to work. You know, so don't overcomplicate. Basically simplify um, once you've made your decision, stick to it and start thinking about how to get it done. Um, stop doubting yourself and then that allows you a little more thought and space to be creative when you hit bumps and to think about troubleshooting problem solving um, because there's there's so many ways to do something for example to to get funding to make uh, to get instead of going directly to a bank to get a loan for something uh, there's there's a lot of creative ways to to get money and uh, you know, 
that is something you need to figure out uh, along the way. Multiple times you'll run into something where you're going to need a piece of equipment, you're going to need to buy inventory, you're going to need something, and it's going to require money that you don't have, and how can I get it? Do I wait forever uh, until my paycheck and I can snuggle away some, some money until I build it up and it takes years before you ever get started, or can I do something more creative if I know I'm going to be able to make money with that money then I can pay the money back, right? So yeah. it, it's stuff like that. And, you know, I, I want to be really clear about this, um, you know, having a job. Like when I made my first business that replaced my income, I did it on the side of a job. And I got the job and I let them know that I was building this thing and they accepted and hired me with that understanding. And Michael so, Supplements? Yeah. Like, uh, that was know, a good, being good place. strategic about where you work, who you work for, um, strategic about the jobs that you get and the skills that you learn in those jobs mm-hmm. uh, is very important. You, if you're thinking about those things when you're doing uh, your life path, uh, you can pick up a lot of skills and play around in other people's sandboxes with their money um, so that you can become the person that you want to be and that's you know i've done that along the way sometimes not realizing it other times hating it um but a lot of times knowing exactly what i'm doing why i'm doing it and that's it's important it's really important there's no end to to life and there's i don't like people trying to define themselves because that puts you in a box it limits you and you don't know where you're going to end up yeah that that was uh, kind of leading into something I wanted to ask you is Sam and I, for example, we work for a giant corporation. I have a 401k. I got vacation time. You know, I get a bonus this year. I just got a raise. You know, there's a certain amount of security there. And it's uh, when I think about it, it's so hard to imagine myself stepping out of that lifestyle to do do something entrepreneurial or, or you know for myself is really what it is you're just doing it for yourself and and for your progeny and your future and everything else but or your friends uh, for example like sam um i don't know man <laughs> how, that, how huge, much bro. courage did that take you to make that jump man to make that step i i'm in a mastermind called total life freedom and my coach he has a podcast called total life freedom i recommend you guys check it out they're five minute episodes he talks about this stuff so much and i and i love that you said it um you know his dad told him and i love that story he tells but having uh you're basically you're, you're giving up your freedom for safety you know, when you when you accept that those benefits and stuff, it's like it's a trick, man. It's like they've caged you up and, and chained you down, and then you don't know how to get yourself out of it because of of uh, of those benefits. You know, that comfortability. Um, so how do you get out of it once you have it? Chains. You, you got to make a plan, man. You got to make a plan. And one <laughs> thing that that I learned that I really love is like, you've got a tool set, you've got a box of tools that you are capable of. 
uh, some ways that you make money. Um, maybe it's multiples are all used in the same job role. Um, maybe you're a freelancer. Maybe you're a, a contractor um, that goes and gets you know various different jobs with your skills. You have experience throughout your life that you've done different things. So look at all those things and buckle down on the thing that you're you're really good at that you make money with um, at fairly easily or high high profitability, and then pick that one and start doing that one and leave all the rest of the tools behind. So maybe that doesn't apply to you at this moment. Maybe it's not hitting because you have a job, but I know people out there that they're just as locked in to what they do without having a full-time commitment to one company where they just are like picking up jobs here and there and there and there, you know, as a, let's say they're an, they're an editor, they're a ghostwriter. They're a, uh, a content creator because they can write and they do a lot of writing, but they do it in all these different areas. And they're like, they don't know where to choose or pick. But one of those things, uh, for example, for you, like maybe CVS is the best. Or maybe you could go get a job with another maybe. company and work for them and make uh, and have more flexibility or something like that. But you mm. need to be able to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to keep doing it, even though I don't really want to do that. I'm just going to do it because it's getting the job done. And then you need to figure it's out terrifying, what... terrifying, though. <laughs> but you need to figure out what you really want to do and be very crystal clear about how you're going to make an impact on the world. And then you need to start doing that on the side. And you've got to cut the time and say, do I want this or not? And you got to make that time and start doing it on the side of your job. You can't let it go because if you drop your job and start doing your dream, but you need your income, your dream will be under Premature. stress. Yeah, it, it, you'll you'll screw it up because you'll be under pressure and it won't actually become the thing that you, you envision. So it's, it's important to make that strategy when you're doing something and not uh, jump too fast, you know, because um, it may never come come to life. You know, like people like, hey, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Like. That's it's an ugly way of doing business, <laughs> but they're doing it because they need the money. But like, if they don't have any other way love, of yeah. income stream, you know. <laughs> like, um, or you can marry a girl that you know makes six figures. That's um, your strategy, right? Life strategy, right there. Right. Um, so, what I'm doing personally is saving capital and just accruing capital. But I know that that can be, that can also be uh, risky because we never know what's going to happen with the markets like that. And so if you if you've got your money in stocks, um, you know I got a lot of money in savings, but I I don't know. I need the right uh, business model and the right, right direction to take it. And I have a few ideas. I think uh, I've been uh, doing a, a strategy that's uh, like a vision board type of approach. Uh, if you go on to, there's a website like Trello where you can list out projects and things. And what I've been doing is kind of uh, trying to plot out like this is my one month goal. This is my two week goal. This is my three week, three month. And I just keep doubling it all the way up to like 10, 40, 30 years from now. And what I try to do is I try to 
put in my mind what are the specific uh, things that I would like to achieve in my life and what are the steps I have to do to get from point A to point B. So who do I need to become to make point A go to point B and what type of skills would I need to pick up along the way? And that's at least helping me chart out, I guess, the directions a bit better. The, well, who do you need to know? Uh, it's uh, it's mainly, I would say, I have a majority of the skills. It's just like Jason's doing, he has the capital. So just having the capital would definitely help. But I would say having the vision and kind of seeing it. And then the thing that I always do on the days that I feel at my worst is I always ask myself the question, how, uh, how much am I losing by not getting myself out of bed working and doing what I need to to get towards that goal? What am I missing out on? And then to add more salt in the wounds, I just kind of like will uh, typically say every moment I don't do something from this list to work towards that goal is basically one day further away that goal is. So try to mm. kick my own ass, so to speak, so I can move forward. Well, that's very organized. I mean that that is a uh, that is a great way to to do things. <laughs> I commend you for being so planned out. I'll get let's get down to the to the uh, rubber in the road. If you guys were really making, if you really really in your heart love music and you want to make a store, right? What what else can you do to prepare yourselves for that day when you're going to launch? You know, um, let's think about wouldn't it be nice to launch your business and that you have people hanging out the door waiting for it to open? I would think it would be pretty cool to have that or create like a sense of uh, community. Exactly, you you nailed it. So if right now you should be part of your activities of building your dream on the side would be to build your network would be to get to know people in the industry or in the community or make your own community so that people know you you have friends make friends make relationships right it's yeah. not about selling anything at this point it's just about um getting to know people and them getting to know you and and as you start doing the things they're They'll know about it because you'll be sharing it. And then when it's time, they're all there to support you. And now you've got yourself a whole, you know, customer list or whatever you want to call it. But you've got a support around you um, that you've built that didn't take any capital. But they're activities that you could be doing on the side. I just wanted to break in and let you know uh, we got our buddy Nick here on the line as well. He's dropping in. and uh... Hey, Nick. Hey, Hi, Nick. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> you got a little bit of an echo there. Oh, can you hear me okay? Or? Okay, now it's good. So okay. Nick Nick knows a lot about graphic design as well, Dave. Um, cool. I think you two would um, be able to swap some, some uh, tricks of the trade and stuff. Uh, right on, yeah. What do, you, what do you do, Nick? Oh, I'm an artist. I mean, you know, I, I like to make art uh, with painter. everything from pixels to paint, and uh, and I have like a a job that's got nothing to do with any of that. But uh, oh, bummer! That's kind of how we're all at right now, David. We're all in jobs that have nothing <laughs> to do. Our, um, we get our fuel to fuel our actual work uh, through our other jobs, and um, yeah, uh, 
but I'm at a, you know, Airbnb at the moment. Uh, so, yeah. Airbnb.com. Airbnb? No, uh, he works for Airbnb. Oh, interesting. That's a very cool company. Yeah, they are. They're, it's a good company. Yeah, definitely. So, um, what's that, Nick? We were talking earlier about, I guess, uh, what does a person have to do to kind of fuel their ideas or fuel these hobbies and find a way to get them so that that becomes kind of the job, if that's what the goal is, so that when we're working, we're having fun doing what we're doing. And um, David was giving us some ideas about mindset, so that's been pretty much what you missed other than uh him essentially uh going over kind of how he started and got involved with what he does now cool well you know when i'm doing the daily grind and dealing with the general public from day to day which is super grueling and very taxing uh i think how can I get the heck out of this? Because this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Either I want to move up to corporate and start making the six figures, or I want to be happy doing what I'm doing. And it's not only the customers, it's the employees, man. They complain so much about a lot of things. And I'm like, you know, you should be happy. <laughs> you know, like, be happy. Like, like, be grateful or, you know, I hate to bring up God and, and church and stuff, but there was a really good sermon about grace. Like, should be a little bit more graceful in life. And I try to try to bring that um, to the table as being a manager. But, you know, a lot of people aren't, aren't really receptive to that at all. And, and they would just... <clears throat> They would just rather sit there and earn a paycheck and complain. And, uh, you know, I feel like if I started my own business, I would not have employees like that at all. And, you know, my policies would be probably a lot looser. Uh, another thing with CVS, at least uh, since we're talking about the businesses we work in, constantly trying to reinvent the wheel and I don't always agree with those changes but I have to do them and it kind of makes you die a little bit inside you know and you know what I mean David you hear what I'm saying I do I do everybody else what, what about you guys there, I'm sure Sam knows what I'm there, there's a few things though that I have noticed uh most recently, I've noticed that when I've taken on the mindset of literally just seeing everything as an opportunity and seeing different aspects of things as challenges that I can overcome, go around, get over, and keeping positive about it, I've noticed I've seen more opportunities open up for me. I got promoted recently, and this had to do with me, instead of literally just seeing everything as an obstacle instead of complaining i just kept my nose to the grindstone kept working 
did the best I can and reached out to other people just asking them, hey, how can I help you out? What can we do to make your life easier? Things like that. <laughs> you oh, worked hard awesome. for that. You worked hard for that, Sam, and you earned that. And uh, I did too. And I know, I think we were talking during my ascension as well. And you earned that. Um, like, I know it was hard fought for you. And the other thing I was going to say that I did notice the times whenever there was a lot of complaining and things going on, like personally, that is when I started seeing everything more as obstacles and I couldn't overcome them. All I kept on seeing was the challenge, but not a way around them. So I think if you change your perspective on how you look at whatever the thing is, that is the challenge, the obstacle that is holding you down, holding you out of place, if you see it more as an opportunity, you're going to change and your mind's going to start thinking differently. Can I, can I touch on this? Cause yeah, I just please. love what you're saying. I, um, I read this book. I'm going to say the book so that in case you want to read it, but it's called yeah. the new earth and maybe the new earth age. I think it's just called the new earth by, uh, Ed, Edgar, Edgar Tolle or something like that. I forget how you should say his name. Edgar Tolle. Anyway, I learned about the ego and the ego to me was something. It was one thing. If you can imagine what the typical idea of what an ego is, um, big talk, you know, pushy, all this stuff. But I found out that it was actually, it's just the voice. It's just the voice in your head, which is your thoughts, basically. Uh, I started to also understand that the mind is not... Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. Well, it's Tolle. I know Tolle for sure. But, yeah. So, the mind is is a is you, not you. It is a computer. You're breaking basically. up, David. Oh, no. I quit. Bye. <laughs> now, now you're good. And okay. It's, by, it's a, a, a New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Thank you. Um, the mind, the brain is is a computer. And I think it's a supercomputer, and it's a tool. It's basically going to run your your body, which is your machine that helps you move around on the earth. But all that those two things are powered and controlled by your soul. But if you let your mind just run on its own, and you think that you are your mind, it will take control of you and it is not a good advisor it is not you and the thoughts in your head that you think if you think that those are you and you let them run they will take you all over the place and you'll be out of control and once i realized that and i started to listen to the thoughts and listen to what they were telling me and the ego is telling you a story is that story good or is it bad? Is it hurting you? Is it making you feel bad? Or is it making you feel good? It depends and on the voice. <laughs> well, it depends on the voice. And, and that book brought up this thing called the pain body, which is like, it can be, the pain body wants to feed itself. It's like a, it's like a monster almost. And mm. the pain that it's looking for could be different things. It just depends on what kind of pain body you have. So are you, um, are you looking for, uh, to be the victim? Are you looking for 
um, someone to blame? Are you looking for like it, it can have different motivations and it will find them and it will feed it and feed it and feed it. And that's the pain that you are carrying inside of you. So you have to squash that pain body and tell it to shut up and stop giving it, uh, giving it what it wants. Stop, stop wow. accepting those ideas as true. And I realized instantly, I thought about, because you can say that about one thing that shows up in your day and, and say, oh, I'm using that as an excuse or, um, oh, that's, that's not an obstacle, that's uh, an opportunity. But if you are not paying attention to all of your thoughts, not just this one thing that's very easy for you to identify, I had realized that I was saying, I'm uh, talking about my work and all the things I had to do. And, um, you know, I'm not getting it done. I'm not working fast enough. I'll never get this done. It's going to take forever. I was starting to make myself miserable. And it was my, it's this ego. It's this voice telling me all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, ah, as soon as I realized that, I let like all those thoughts go. It's like a feedback loop, almost. Is, oh, my God. You, you, that's, that's it, man. That, you know, you keep feeding it, and it keeps giving you that negative energy and you keep expelling it <laughs> and it just gets worse <laughs> the thoughts feed the emotions the emotions feed the thoughts and and so on and so forth and you're exactly right it's garbage out of control i, I feel that way um dealing with uh you know like i i was just complaining that people um are almost like ungrateful and they're always complaining they have little quirks about them that and I used to get so upset that I would be really negative and through talking with you David um, <clears throat> I started to learn how to how to get out of that mindset but it, it is so hard especially I'm in a new situation now it's uh, it's extremely hard not to go back to the old ways and, but I, you know, it's going to take time and, and, uh, and hard work to, uh, get it to where I want it. And I can't, I can't let, yeah, I can't be weak really. I guess, you know, I guess that's the biggest thing. You're, that's weakness really. Nobody wants to. Well. Admit think, that or deal with it. I think there's a, it's a matter of acceptance. So you have you're outside of your boundaries of, of yourself if you are in a situation where you're not happy. Either you stepped into a situation that you didn't want to be in and now you're in it, so you're outside of your boundaries, or you let somebody into your boundaries that you didn't want and you said yes to. Right. So the reality is is that no matter what all this is and all these things you're saying are happening, like I was just saying about my work, you have to accept mm -hmm. it and say, you know what? All those things are true. And so what? And now what? What am I going to do about it? Let's talk about what we're going to do to move forward and stop thinking about uh, all these things and keep bringing them up in our head and, and winding ourselves up. Let's just focus on what needs to be done to, to change things. You know, that's where I kind of like, and so what? Yeah, that's true. And what now? Yeah, so, because there's a certain point where I've I've seen they sort of fail or they um, they degress instead of you know do better in their life. And I don't want to I don't want to you know go downwards. I want to go upwards. And 
and so yeah it's it's very difficult it's um very uh minutia based you know like a lot of details are there um, you can't just put one blanket statement over something like that but um to me i feel that the hard work that's all it is really i I feel well, it's a little bit beyond the hard work. I also feel that the minutiae and sometimes it's focused. It, it, it is a focus thing. It's an exercise of the mind. Uh, I feel and that the intimate. details you're talking about, though, they do point to specific things. Just take them in and as markers so that you understand this is where the lay of the land is. But like David said, don't focus so much on the emotion and all that but focus on where you want to go and then strategize and mile mark or literally like come up with your your plan for how you're going to get from point a to point b and what it would take to do that and when we talk about doing it it's like literally follow the plan that gets you out of there don't even think about the emotions like you're going to feel those emotions along the way you have to acknowledge them, give them space, but you also don't let them take control of you. Because, like David said, if you start feeding the voice, it's going to start taking over and it's going to consume everything, especially if you don't have too much control on it. How about the other thing you said, Sam, which was, um, how can I help you? I really love this this statement because... I think we all get sucked into our stuff all the time and we forget that generosity and being proactive about, you know, what can I do for you? What can, how can I make your life better? And giving out that way and, and being very thoughtful about that, it creates so much opportunity, so much reciprocity, so much um, trust is gained so quickly and people are uh, committed to you. You know, they just love you. And that comes back in so many different ways of support. Um, just like if you were to open your store, you know, like people will, it's, 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 it's like too far gone. If it's, you need something and you never did any of that, then you're just walking around asking for things. Nobody likes to be asked for things, but when you've invested and in, in put that forward, um, every step of the way, yeah. You can turn around and, <laughs> right. and ask for something, and people are like, "Oh, absolutely, anything for you." You know, that's that's a really important thing to to change. Is just being fully one hundred percent generous. How can I help you? You know what? I might actually use that on some of my employees that are just super negative. Like, you know what? I noticed you're not not happy. What can I do? I'm here to help. That might actually help. Um, you know, uh, that might be the answer. To be honest, dude, it's it's magic. <laughs> it's magic. If you haven't done it, do it. Absolutely. If they think you're there for them, they are so much more, you know, committed to you because that's that's all they care. I mean, everybody cares about themselves, right? But I can tell you, there's right. there's people that have done things for me that you say their name and I'm gonna shout their praises so high and you know. It's because I love them to death because of what they they did for me, and they didn't do it for any reason other than, than just to care about me, and that's huge. They'll go to war with you. They'll go to battle with you, right? 
Well, You'll take the arrows as long as they have your back. It's just that they they did something for me. They they gave me something like they gave me um, they gave me support. They 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 cheered me on. They told their friend about me. They whatever it is. And enough times of that, and like they have my heart for life. Like they could do no wrong. Almost, it'd be very right. hard. Right. Um, and that's what I had in my old uh, store. And uh, this new store, I mean, the guy's younger than me. I don't think he was running it the same way I would. And it's been a it's been a uh, trial, trial and a tribulation. And we know about those, <laughs> right, Dave? Trials and tribs. And. Uh, so I, you know, maybe I need to go back to the basics and just be like, what can I do for you? How can I make your life better? You tell me because I'm about, you know, I wouldn't say this, but I'm about up to here with the, uh, the complaint. <laughs> yeah. Change uh, the atmosphere. Right. Uh, you know, and it's a, a store that does double the uh, sales with pretty much the same payroll budget. So it is very high stress and I get it. You know, there's a lot of homeless people. It's downtown. You know, this girl was like, I don't know if I can keep working here because this homeless kid keeps going in, coming in. He, he almost like came at me the other night and... You know, I feel for her, but at the same time, I'm like, well, just don't engage with him. Like, leave him alone. Like, this business isn't going to have your back, you know, unfortunately. And if you conceal carry and pop the guy, then you're going to get fired and probably go to jail. So, you know, I, it's so difficult, man. It really is. What, have you guys had conversations with people about, music stores or or anything related to this idea you have about getting feedback from from them about what would be the right kind of place you know the, the best well, kind of music store to make i have an idea about it it would be going into the community that we're thinking about developing um you know a, a store either whether that be buying or leasing a building and uh door knocking you know, like you were doing before and just kind of handing out promotional material and talking. And not only that, but you look at the analytics of what the mean household income is of the area. You go to the high schools and the middle schools and talk to the music department if you can get on the campus. You know, I know it's very hard to get on campuses without credentials um so if you would have to get those credentials then you go ahead and do it but you definitely need to set up a, a relationship with the community and then not only that but deliver good prices and very good customer service and that's the only way i could see being successful because you put a music store in a low-income area, you're probably not going to make it. Now, if it's like a Stone Oak or a Timberwood Park or something like that, and, and you know, the, the building is open <clears throat> and you're able to uh, connect with your customers, I, I see it being successful. 
especially if you're working with the schools on their, you know, their programs or whatever. So I don't know what you think about that, but that's that was where my mind went when we were thinking about opening a music store. I was thinking that it would need to have uh, a bit more engagement with the community and kind of make it a legendary gathering space for the people of the community. Like maybe offer something where you have like the different teachers, the different schools, the different communities in the area. We have a concert night where we have students who take lessons at the store they put right. on a show or something and you can have your friends, family come in and just like make it a fun space to be in where people like uplift each other. Stop bringing each other down. Start uplifting and uh, taking the burden off. Music is supposed to be for levity. It's supposed to take us away from all of this uh, minutia and all the stuff that's dragging <laughs> us down. And that's why we are obsessed and we keep going back to these instruments. The guitar is there for me when I'm sad. It's there for there for me when I'm happy. It's always there for me when I need to get something out of my mind. And it's always there to just kind of inspire. And uh, all these instruments do that. And I think well, taking that feeling and having other people feel and experience that would be uplifting. Well, not only the guitar, but, you know... I remember uh, music stores when we were growing up in San Antonio that would rent tubas and trumpets and baritones and all different sorts of instruments to the high school kids because they had to own these instruments or they had to have them and uh, they would set them up to rent or buy or, you know, a payment program for the families if they couldn't just afford to buy like a thousand dollar tuba <clears throat> right off the bat. Um, that's the kind of stuff. And yeah, I'm not just looking to do the instruments that we play, like yeah. guitar, drums, bass, but also stuff that the, the kids play yeah. in school. You know, the violin, the um, wind instruments, um, you know, even maybe a cello or two. Nick, what do you, what kind of business are, are you wanting to do? Are you also doing this with them or you have something else? Or no, you I didn't, no, I uh, really did not have a clue uh, about, I mean, I know that has been talked about um, here and there, but I didn't know um, that's what. Um, Sam and uh, Jason are planning it's to do. It's just what we're talking about tonight. Oh, okay. Well, did you? Yeah, did I did. We haven't talked. I mean, it's not. Um, yeah, I'm not in it, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah. do you want to be in it? Because if you do, were, you can be you in were. it. I'm basically, um, you know, my um, I like to paint and I like to make music and I like to play on stage. So those are the three things that. Um, I just want to keep doing and I don't really care if if I don't um, you know in terms of uh, the definition of what uh, somebody considers success um, in terms of monetary gain uh, it doesn't really um, it doesn't matter my whole goal is just to keep making the art and uh, to keep playing as in many places as I, as I can 
and hopefully, yeah, I mean, I mean, I do hope that at some point some people are like, yeah, that's cool, you know, and maybe they'll like buy it or something. But, um, yeah, my main goal is just to continue my art and my, yeah, both in like in all mediums. And I'm also like into film as well. And uh, at some point I'd like to probably pursue that. Uh, in what way? Um, probably yeah, it's pretty much going to be, um, um, I'm not too sure. Like I know, um, uh, writing wise, yeah, probably right. writing and directing, um, cool. that is a goal. Um, is that, is that something like, cause I'm hearing you saying you do these things and then that one, that one at the very end you don't do, but you, um, no, you I, like I have, um, well, for my music, uh, visual, my, I've, I've dabbled with uh, visual. Didn't you write a you script? Know. Yeah, I did for school. Um, yeah, I've written uh, like in a school setting. Uh, I mean, it never went anywhere, but it was for a class, you know. It's uh, still but, there. Well, I mean, I guess what I'm I'm just trying to ask if um, is that something like a big is that a big dream of yours to have a movie to do a movie of some kind? Is well, that, is that kind of a bigger dream? No, I, well, it's, I guess it's just part of the art, like the whole artistic experience that I want to create. So it, all those things would go together somehow, you know? Mm-hmm. So like when they, they do kind of go together in a way because you need all of them to, you know, to make a movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. I mean, I, I tell uh, the lady that cuts my hair to do her art. When she asks me questions, I say, you're the artist. I think art is everywhere. Like it's in a lot of different things yeah. uh, with creativity. But when you're out there doing that, let's say you're on stage and you're expressing yourself or you're expressing something, you want it to be understood. Am I right? Right. Yeah. It's um, it. Well, yeah. It has to. There. I mean, there. There is the. Um, the main thing is that I understand what's going on. Uh, and then. Yeah, the I, I guess the audience understanding what is happening would be a bonus uh, as well, and that, um, you know, it's it's there. It just depends, you know, on me um, and how um, disciplined and dedicated I've been towards that show, uh, and that includes everything from practice to you know, uh, staying sober and um, probably like making sure you know, if it's good and, um, yeah. And just giving a good performance, you know, usually uh, all the times that I've really, um, like honed in on the day of the show, uh, those shows have been good. Um, they've been, I mean, it's not like every show is good, but you, you do recognize that when you do give it 110, um, it does come back at you. And, and I, and I feel like, especially right now, like the, it's a growing process as well. Uh, playing live, um, you're you're first of all in a competition, or not a competition, but you're in that field of um, the entertainment uh, lens, and uh, you have a like a million people, other million people who are also trying to do what you're doing, or who are doing what you're doing, and then you have the uh, very discerning, judgmental. Um, audiences sometimes uh, <laughs> in certain places that you play and you have to like um 
you have to, you know, uh, battle with that. It's a battle as well, because when you're on stage, you're against uh, literally everybody's opinion and they can't do anything because they they can't. It's, you know, you're giving your point of view of what is it, whatever it is. And um, hopefully, um, you know, somebody appreciates it. And I, and I feel all it comes down to is appreciation. Um, art is not to be judged. Um, any mm. kind of art um, should not be judged. I, I feel a true um, connoisseur of any kind of art form uh, appreciates anything that is um, either given to them or shown to them. Uh, you just have to take the time to appreciate. Uh, because the first thing, like you know, you said earlier, your mind... Uh, if you are on that weird, uh, you know, neg negatory mindset and somebody sends you something or you show someone something in their head, they could be like, you know, like either they're like really jealous of what you did and they don't appreciate it or they appreciate it, you know, and they're appreciative that you're actually creating something and you're keeping a form of freedom, a very a very disappearing form of freedom, uh, alive, uh, you know, um, because I mean, it's, it's, it's like important, you know, that to it's me, it's very important. Corporate. It's, it's all going corporate now. And it's funny. There's times where I'll watch a movie and I'm in a certain mindset and I don't like it. And then I watch, watch it again later on and I'm in a different mood. And I actually enjoy it. So it's it's very hard to say like art critics and movie critics and read their their little you know op eds and and the newspapers and stuff and actually take them without a grain of salt at least. Yeah, yeah. but you, it's a, I mean if you were one like that's the thing those guys are meant there for people who are not um, uh, aware of you know, they're not too aware uh, of like, let's say um, something uh, or whatever art it is, you know, therefore people like, let's say if I just, if I've never listened to anything ever and um, one day I look up or watched any kind of really good movie and, you know, like some critics like go see this right. movie and it's a good movie. Right. But back in the, yeah. Okay. And like, what we, Sorry. Yeah, you know, they're there for, um, I, I feel like they're, what their actual job there is, it's there to appreciate what you, um, the filmmaker or the artist, is doing. But what has happened, I feel, um, sometimes it gets kind of, uh, like they there's um, politics involved um, a lot, uh, especially with the larger um, critics. You know, the critics who have a lot of spread uh, or a lot of spread, yeah, uh, throughout the the waves, uh, the digital waves or the airwaves. Um, they're very political in their judgment. I Not think. only that, but they also project their own biases on. Well, yeah, that, and that's the on thing. On the film, when that has nothing to do with it, yeah, you know, you're yeah. supposed to be judging a film for what it is, start to finish, Almost. you know. Yeah, and they should almost be a tool of promotion for the film, and they are. But well, if it's a bad of... film, I'd like to know. But I've been 
misled a lot. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, a true, like, I mean, I would, you know, out of all the people, like you saying that you actually, like, read critics for film, like, I find that very, like, weird because it's like, you know about, like, you know more about film than, like, a lot, lot of people. And then you're like, I don't, you know, it doesn't make, like, well, I, I just love I, it so much that I like to see other people's perspectives. It doesn't mean that it has any weight. Oh, but you don't believe they're like... Hold on a second, guys. Yeah. It looks like yeah. David's going to be heading out. Uh, thank you for coming in and joining us, David. We appreciate all the information you gave us. Have a good rest of your evening. The rest <laughs> of us will keep on going, though. Hey, guys. I uh, really enjoyed the conversation and just wanted to commend you for uh, what you're doing. I think it's... Um, whatever it turns out to be, the, the fact that you're doing it and practicing, it's it's going to benefit you guys. So I'm, I'm, I love it. And if you want me back, uh, maybe try to hold me down, control me a little bit more. Hey, we uh, totally yeah, want you back, man. You I'll, I'll write down questions, back. like a list of questions that I have for you so I can get the best. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I've rambled or what. But anyway. No, no, it's you were all good. fine. You were fine. Thanks, guys. Thank you for coming and in. Nick, I appreciate uh, hearing. I, it's like, oh, man, I want to stay on. <laughs> I want to keep talking about what you're talking about. So, uh, right on. Yeah. Next, uh, next time. Yeah, we should. Um, yeah, and I, I apologize for. Um, you guys could talk about late. graphic design. I have nah, an idea involving the store yeah. idea that involves Nick with graphics design. I have a big plan that I think would be really cool and how Nick could be a part of this business as well. Woo! So but he pure artist, I can hear it in him. He's just he's just yeah. art all the way. Have you ever been to like a music store where like people who want to do music careers and stuff like you don't know Are how you? to make flyers, you don't know how to put stuff on T-shirts and stuff. I think Nick would be like you could have a zone that's there for like people who are business musicians or trying to get into it, where you help like fulfill the print needs fulfill the uh shirt making kind of do that type of stuff and offer it as a service and then like on top of that he's got all the expertise in merchandising for graphic design he could do websites and all sorts of stuff yeah i mean it, and then yeah, i could but, you could yeah. also do your own thing though with like the film and stuff because yeah. as part of that production like we were talking about, make it involved with the community on a concert night. Like play your stuff. We have a stage, that type of thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. There's, um, I mean, I know right now uh, in San Antonio, the last time that I was there, uh, Sam Ash was. Um, they have a they have a, a weekly jam jam night on Wednesdays now. Nice. And. Uh, yeah, you know, they're they're doing kind of doing that. And then I remember Century. Well, I don't know. Century was like it was so awesome. I really loved Century. Like that was like you know, like all of us like that was like we would go there after I mean, whenever we went there. I think it was most of the time like after school, right? Like uh, Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> and I remember I, so dude, cool. I remember like yeah, we and were that, Century music bums. Yeah, but it was it's so like, cool. They would they would let us stay there. Like they were just like, yeah, hang out, like stay here as long as you want. <laughs> yeah, they didn't care. You know, and they've stopped 
like Guitar Center doesn't do that. Uh, Robot Monster, yeah, kind of. They will if you seem serious. They'll let you. Yeah, and 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 now since not, not just a bunch of bum kids. No, but they know that kick we, you out, dude. I bought like I wasn't. A, I mean, I ended up buying shit from them like a lot. Like yeah, and, but strings. Guitars. No, guitars, yeah. instruments guitars, and stuff. Strings. I mean, um, a bunch no, of stuff. They just but let us on that. You know, they, in, and uh, I bought I bought music uh, music magazines from them, where they'd have the tablature at the the end of the magazine. Yeah. Right, yeah, Sam. Yeah. You remember yeah, those? I remember you guys. Them. I think I still got a few of them, man. Like five or six songs every every um, every issue. Yeah, I remember I bought the Pride and Glory sound book and uh, the dude at the counter was like, he was like all freaked out that I bought it. And I was like, just mm-hmm. let me buy it, you little shit. <laughs> like these, the Guitar World, and then oh, you got God. your five songs. St. Vincent. She's yeah, a great girl, guitarist, like, yeah. man. Look at me, I have tits and I'm on the wearing a shirt. She can tits. play, man. She played <laughs> Little Wing really well. No, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. I well, just, uh, yeah, so I didn't mean to take up the last uh, whatever amount of time that was. No, you're was good. good. We're it still was... we're still recording, but we still are recording. But, but... It, it's nice to segue into other things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, guys, I just watched that Ad Astra movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, what how is think? it? Is it cool? Um, visually beautiful. Uh, actually gorgeous but it's very lumbering and um, the part that really got me and it might have been person like what I'm feeling at the moment Mm -hmm. is when he met his father and the way his father reacted to him because his father had gone off on a mission to discover extraterrestrial life and they were having, you know, problems with these radioactive bursts that were coming from Neptune. And they knew that his father was, that was the last place they had talked to him. And so they kind of figured he was over there. And he, he made contact with him and he, he goes and meets him. And man, it is, I, cr- I actually cried. I don't want to admit this, but I cried. Oh, wow, so it was Maybe emotional. Because what I'm going through, yeah, but, you know, and I'm looking at little Winston. <laughs> yeah. Dude, just yeah. take him with you. I don't know why you're like, eh, she he would never, yeah, don't even get into that. You want me to come uh, kidnap him, and that way you won't know where he is, and then... You know. I wouldn't do that to to my wife. I wouldn't oh. do that to her. Um, oh. She needs him probably more than I do. But, uh... Right on. Oh. Just it was so fuck so moving that whole sequence that it's actually worth watching the film. Yeah, it's just for that, just for that reveal and that build up. And then the ending was, you know, underwhelming. It was pretty standard, and but that part I think is what sets it apart from other films. Because I haven't seen anything that powerful because of the the amount of buildup that it took to get there, and the amount of hardship that that 
that his son had to go through to get to see, and I'm trying not to spoil too much, to see his father and the reveal was just, it was heartbreaking, dude. It really was. And I don't know if you want to see that kind of a movie. No, I, I saw the previews of it and it looked cool because they were like fighting on the moon and shit. Like, right? right. Isn't there like yeah, some yeah, battle scenes scene on the moon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I was like, fuck yeah, it's on the moon. So the moon is a war zone. <laughs> uh, well, it's considered a war zone because there's no borders and every country is vying for like mining rights and stuff like that. And there's pirates and things. And so this is an interesting story, man. It really is. It's, Did it's you see cool. it in the theater or uh, at home? No, I just uh, Blu-ray. On oh, the, right now. It's on already the, on Blu-ray? Look, I, I thought it just well, came I out. I red-boxed it. Oh, wow. Okay. I, was going I tell to... you what, the, the lighthouse did not disappoint. <laughs> it was so awesome. I mean, if you like if you like Eggers, you're gonna love this film. If you like The Witch, you're gonna love this film. Um, right on. It was so. You know how he likes to use those ancient dialects. Yeah. Well, not ancient, but like maybe a couple hundred years or a hundred years old. That stuff that hasn't don't been really heard. Talk like that anymore. Kind of like. Um, Bill the Butcher in Gangs of New York. Oh, right on, yeah. yeah. Takes you, you to know? the time. Oh, yeah. And, um... Oh, dude, the ending was insane. So is there any monsters in it? You don't really... I'm not gonna tell you. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> but, um... I just wanted some kind of like monster I said, to be it in is it. Kind of, like, Lovecraftian and and just odd. It's just such an odd movie that you know I can't help but love it because it's so cool. But there's very few filmmakers that can do that nowadays. Um, I forget Craig Zegler or whatever that did um, Block. 99, Cell Block 99, Dragged yeah. Across the Concrete, and Bone Tomahawk. I think he's kind of in that same space realm. Yeah, he's in that same uh, universe of just wildly innovative and wildly um, unique and original stories that you don't really see too often anymore. And so I'd like to support film like that or like Mandy or Joe. Did you guys ever watch Joe? Yes, it was good. I love that movie. When you were telling me about the actor who was the homeless guy. (laughs) Wasn't he a scary character? He was so like, I felt chills going up and down my arms. It was just crazy. Like he just had it nailed to the T. It's like, I haven't seen something this visceral in a long time. All he cared about was his next drink. He would murder you for a drink. And he was a homeless guy in Austin. That they they cast it. Talk about that. And he ended up dying shortly after the shoot. 
he probably splurged on the money they gave him and yeah. killed him faster. <laughs> drank himself to death, probably. Dang, probably, yeah. I mean, that's horrible, but I mean, what they captured on film was haunting. Really haunting. And you could tell he, he really... He didn't need any coaching. He knew how to do that character. It's like, ugh. God. <laughs> he was the character, right? Like, yeah. He was the freaking character, man. That's kind of, I don't know. Do you think that's like. Is it the exploitation? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Because I mean, it's like you're. Exploiting them. Yeah. And you're making, you know, he's not an actor. He never, like, he never, he was never in film until the that day. That movie really did make money, though. I mean, I mean, I don't yeah, think I that's just, what he was going for when he made that film. I mean, or, but it's more like a doc. I mean, that would be like a documentary kind of hybrid kind of thing. He was perfect for what the character, at, you know, required. It sounds like there's more of a moralistic uh, <laughs> compound to this because uh, you could right, say, yes, I gave, like I gave, I gave. Yeah, I gave the dude a job, which it's going to give him money so he can take care of himself. But uh, little did we know that the bad habits we developed from not having a job would go on full overload to the point where it killed him. Yeah, I, I mean, you could blame that on the on the movie. I think he probably would have died anyways. It's, it would have been slower, though. It's pretty sad. <laughs> it is. Yeah pretty sad and yeah i did kind of think about that like the moral aspect of it and that's a tough call though you know you don't really want to play with lives like that but i don't i mean i don't know but i don't think the director was trying to do that manipulate and you know um take advantage of that man uh, I think uh, he saw an opportunity, and he, um, no, you I, know, I guess I they were putting out locations, and they saw him. And they were like, they were like, "Hey, you want to play this character? You want to audition?" The audition, he was perfect, and you know, I think that's where it ends. I don't think they were out to like fuck his life up or anything. Yeah. No, I, I, I meant more of, uh, I mean, yeah, I understand, like how you're saying. Um, I mean, more of like in the sense of an act or an actor, um, you know, like somebody who like has worked their entire life trying to act. And that's then, the thing with this guy. He hires people off the streets like most oh, of the actors is, in that movie. Yeah, that's his M.O. Oh, most okay. of the people were hired that way. And, you know, only one of them died. Here's a weird factoid, I guess. Uh, Robin Williams apparently had a thing in his contract where he wanted a certain percentage of the people acting in the film to be homeless. Like, he wanted actual people that didn't have jobs to be able to work and make some like sort of... Like and stuff? Yeah, and uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. He's like, hey, if I'm going to succeed, we're all going to succeed together. I thought that was kind of cool. He was um, he was a wonderful person, um, Robin Williams. Uh, 
you can say whatever you want about his movies or his uh, comedy or whatever, but he actually had a huge heart and he was very dedicated to people like you're talking about and veterans. I think he, he was even bigger about supporting veterans. And he would always go to the, uh, you know, he was uh, Iraq campaign, Afghanistan, all that. He would he would go and do shows for the troops, you know. I mean, they pay for his travel, but they didn't pay him to do that. He just did it because he had a big heart. And it's funny when you watch his movies, you see that heart in. Yeah, you see it in his performances, like. He uh, he was something else, man. He was a yeah, interesting guy. It's almost the same way when I saw Nick perform at that place, uh, that bar, the one that I recorded for him. Like you could see his heart coming out in the presentation of what he did. I thought that was cool too. Uh, what was that? Uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember uh, the name of that place. It was in San Antonio. Yeah, it was what, like a zombies, right? No, no, it was like a hookah lounge by 410 and uh, like where the Alamo Draft House is uh, at on 410 and Calabra. It's like way out there. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I remember that because I remember well, yeah. Sam came out. That was like yeah, Sam was there, and then that Definitely. was my projector and all. Yeah, <laughs> I like, thought that was cool. I, I watched it. I watched I remember, it. It was nice. Yeah, yeah, it was it was cool. Um, it's a good Just hearing song. you play your songs, I could tell that you you put all of yourself into whatever you write. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. That's you know that is uh, commendable, and I uh, can't say that I've actually come up with a song, lyrics and guitar work that. <laughs> I can say that uh, lives up to that standard, really. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, I, you had something going on there. It's just what I want to do, you know. Like, you you have to keep doing it. Like, yeah. that's as much as everybody tells you to quit. Like, you have to keep like fighting. People tell you to quit. On. Oh yeah, I've been told. I've been. I mean, not. I, I would say more. Um, that your family. Yeah, I would say family or not. I mean, yeah. Fuck your family. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your family too, damn it. No, they just, yeah. I support you. I I think it's more people don't know. They don't exactly know, like, like, it's like somebody trying to, like, be a a monk or something today. Like, I'm sure they're having a hard time Mm because it's like, you know. I mean, no, it actually might be really easy for them because they just have to go I feel... gather with their with their monk. This is more like being a ronin, you know, in a way, when you take this path. It, like, it's harder ooh. to do what you're doing, Nick, compared to, I think, Rope the samurai. monk. And the reason I think that is, as a monk, to achieve the different levels within the spirituality and all that, you are literally put in a circumstance where you are preventing yourself from having the temptation around you which to me seems like it's a it's a fake reality and it's simpler to live whatever the tenant or the path is 
because you have none of the temptation around you. However, if you are existing and living as a monk, but in the world surrounded by real people and not other monks, that is a harder path to walk. To stay pure and to be able to keep living the path. And I think that is why what you're doing, it, it is harder because you are struggling, you're doing it on your own, you're building yourself up. But every time you take a step forward and you do something... You're building yourself up. You're putting the foundation down for what you want to do with the rest of your life. And you have to take these risks. You have to do these things because it's going to build up whatever content you want to create and whatever the great magnum opus that you want to do. It's building that up. And you have to do this in order to get there. I feel... um... I feel like you should have been in there on this earlier conversation with David because uh, you probably would have uh, really resonated with what he had to say. We're going to get him back again. You guys probably could have talked about graphic design and stuff. It doesn't matter. We'll get him on again. But um, He texted me and said he'd be glad to come back on. He had a lot of fun. Breaking up. You're not breaking okay. up. Cool. Yeah, you're uh, like you're frozen, but your audio is Skype. fine. You're freezing up there. Wonderful Skype. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah, you know, it's just we. I just this whole concept of like we have to do something like sometimes just bothers me. Like, <laughs> well, do what's important for you. I know, yeah. No, it is. Yeah, it's just... Kill your audio, Nick. Or kill your video, I mean, Nick. Let me kill mine. Maybe that'll help. Might help it out. Alright. Is that better? Yeah, I've got audio. It's perfect. I don't know if you heard what I said. Kill your audio? Or video? You You would have actually enjoyed... Can you hear me? We can hear you just fine. Keep going. Jason, Hello? talk. Now Jason seems to have muted. Yeah, what is he doing? I have no No, clue. I haven't muted. Can you hear me? We yeah, can hear can you. Hear. You just went silent for like 30 seconds or so, or it felt like that. Yeah, because... Everything crashed. So I was saying, uh, uh, Nick, I wish you would have been able to join earlier because I think you would have actually resonated with what David had to say. And, you know, he started in graphic design. That's what he went to school for. And you you two could could have probably talked about that a little bit. And uh, but it's all good. Yeah, and I'm sorry that everything just froze, so I just killed my video and kept the audio on. But you're good. Yeah, you know, apparently I spoke. I spoke for thirty seconds, and nobody heard anything I said. So. <laughs> well, we can hear you now. So. Yep. Word. Um, but yeah, I want to get him back on because. Um, it's funny, man. I see a lot of similarities in 
you, Nick, and my brother. Oh, yeah. And you guys could probably, and he could maybe even give you some advice on Oh, yeah. Whatever I was doing, I was, doing what he was talking about, like, from. And you could probably give him some advice, you know? That's the beauty of it. Right. I feel that we have a bit more power to what He's we do. He's very, very um, introspective. Right on, yeah. But anyways, audio seems to be fucking up pretty bad. I say let's um, call it a a night here. What do you guys say? Yeah, that's cool. Um, if you guys are fine. With I mean, we we can continue on live stream or whatever. Yeah, I can stop the recording. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Undecillion podcast for whoever's listening. Thank you so much. And yeah, thanks, thanks for stand, spending I, your January 16th with us, man. <laughs> buy, buy our shirts. I, I've been Jason. This is Sam. And that's Nick. Yeah, this is Nick. And, okay. Uh, all right, there we go. And we really appreciate it. <laughs> Cheers. Seriously. Cheers. Peace. Have a good night. Cheers. All right, I, I 